all the, all of our peers and the professors asking questions. And it's not whether you're right or wrong. It's how well do you advocate? I'm going to question everything you do, but you have to question me. And together we're going to go figure it out. And that is what is coming up on Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. So stay tuned. Now, here are two powerful words to change your life. What if? What if you do have what it takes? What if you can design your life? What if your crazy dreams do come true? You are here because you have a dream. You have a fire in your belly. You want to change the world and you want to lead the charge in the post socially distant era. The big question is this. How can ambitious people like us build our dream lives? This podcast gives you the answers. We have created the perfect community of the world's best minds who want to get things done. Survive and thrive in this uncertain world. Join us by navigating to bootstrapping.group. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. I'm your host Manoj Agarwal and today we have a very special guest Bennett Bear. So Bennett is currently a CMO of CTD uh, Solutions Group and formerly he was associated with Huawei Global where he was uh, holding the same position global CMO and he has also been as- associated with reputed companies like uh, BT, Avnet. Uh, he's out of the box visionary product marketer with over 1500 new services products and applications developed launched and usually with very limited resources he has built teams from very small to exceptionally large uh, large teams spread over continents he has conducted marketing programs to 3 billion people uh, world worldwide expert in voice of the customer and journey mapping finding the actionable moments of truth he has also has a its history of making a lot of money he has had four zero to 350 million successes under his belt and one was zero to four billion dollars with over 77 billion in new revenue generated during various tenures with consistent increase in ebitda uh, results his ability to grow brand top of the funnel demand integrated analytics marketing and mar- uh, with core business systems and customer experience b2b b2c one on one marketing expert building teams and channel programs they have been unmatched uh, he has been awarded uh, uh, by forbes uh, for his innovation he has uh, had uh, five global tenures as cmos and uh, three as ceos along with f50 division leadership public pnl to uh, 1.3 billion with 37 large joint ventures mergers acquisitions and liquidity events Wow, uh you've you've done tremendously well. Welcome Bennett. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I'm, I'm chuckling here. I'm glad my wife isn't listening to this cuz one she's a much better marketer than I am. She did food her entire career. Um and okay, yeah, I've I've been around the block a time or two and it doesn't include all the times I fell down and scuffed my knees. Yeah, well we we've all done that but it's it's the final results that counts, right? And uh, as far as your wife is concerned, maybe we'll have her on the another podcast. Uh, so, uh, but I'd like to I'd like to learn more about you. You know, how let's start uh uh maybe let us uh, go back in history and how did you get started how did you get interested in these um uh these large projects and what what uh, what 
brought you to this level of success? Well, it, so early in my career, I, I had a lot to do with selling. I was in sales, straight commission. You don't sell, you don't get a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And learn from, you know, pros, quote unquote, rock and roll. You know, today is the last day we're selling in your neighborhood. You know, sign, you know, just make you cringe. But I needed to provide for my my family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I'm a very good salesperson. I don't like to sell. Uh -huh. And so, what do you do? You go into marketing. Marketing I, helps sales sell smart. Yeah, yeah. And I grew up in a machine tool family, mm -hmm. and so you know, since I was. 10 i was you know working on a turret lathe you know machining and making furniture and, and various projects mm -hmm. and so you know reading a blueprint is very similar to a network diagram yeah. um it just kind of comes natural to me because of my upbringing and making stuff is i think the most fun part of marketing and that really started at casio mm -hmm. um and and you know casio and, and casio was a big time hire um, it had a base of like $55,000 a year, which was a lot of money at, yeah. you know, at the time. Uh -huh. um, we're talking late 80s. And, and, uh, and it was also a taste of strategy because I was hired to launch the LT70P video phone, I see. which was god awful. <laughs> it was a new picture every two and a half seconds. <laughs> um, but it was for the time, it was very high resolution. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they thought the engineers lied to Mr. Casio and, and you know, thought he thought it was the gramophone. No. But what it was, so I pulled the first day on the job, I pulled the global launch. Uh -huh. ah, but rather than have a disaster. Um, and, and eventually what I did is repositioned it because it was good for distance learning or if you and I are building something and we want to talk about the, the part, you know, this chip on the board, yeah, yeah. it was very good for show and tell. Mm -hmm. And so I doubled the price. So there was enough margin, put it through distribution and got a new um, group of, of um, uh, distributors or sales agents to go sell it. And then, and that had a modest success. And from that, then I had to feed it other stuff Mm -hmm. And then I told, okay, the R&D guys, well, let's go make, you know, a KSU list and then, okay, a wireless KSU list. And that led to a whole bunch, you know, the, the you know, the QB10, the world's first digital camera, and the, um, which was a chip out of the video phone um, and, and the, the screen and a whole bunch of other stuff. And it was like, you know, that, that was the start. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then how did you move on to, uh, you know, th th these big names, BT? Uh, I mean, obviously, Casio is a big name as well. Uh, Huawei and uh, and others, like, uh, what was that experience like? And uh, what kind of work did you do uh, with them? Well, it, the, at the end of the day, I would say I am an emerging product, uh, product uh, marketing guy. Mm -hmm. I... I only get hired by companies that are either in a lot of trouble and don't know what to do or want to grow very fast. I see. So I left Casio one because I got a first rule of marketers, as you probably know, you develop an attitude. Mm. And I didn't listen <laughs> to my wife. I thought I was hot stuff, man. I, I'm 67% of Casio operating profit. 
Yeah, right. I did not get on with um, I did not get along with the, the U.S. president who wanted to continue making answering machines. And, and I'd say, oh, that's a dinosaur strategy. He's like, what? You're getting an increasing share of a declining market, mm-hmm. just like the dinosaurs. Yeah. So I went to Infonet and nobody, nobody knew who Infonet was. They, they're the global reach for every big telephone company in the world. If you're AT&T and you leave the U.S., it was on the Infonet network. I see. I see. And so, but the day, the second I accepted the job, the guy said, great, glad you're here. Why did you think the job? We're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I took over the voice over IP business, which was like 23 guys and $12 million. And the frame relay guys are doing 5 billion. I see. So, you know, yeah, I, I I'm a, I'm less than a, you know, a flea on the elephant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the kind of job I get. And so you, you learn to make good with what you've got and to get things done and to get cooperation. Well, if you mess with me, well, great. All 23 of, our, of, of us are going to show up at your office to talk about. I see, I see. Um, and it just, you know, it kind of snowballs. And once you figure out how to make success, yeah, yeah. then you can build. And then that's been the case of, of everywhere except Huawei, which what is very successful they just wanted to go faster i see i see that's great and so um one of the things i want to talk to you about uh, your experience at oxford so you have uh, uh, degrees from oxford in international business and marketing uh, so what was that experience like well I'll, i a confession um the nice thing about that and i, and I read the law is that all these i, I am one of the world's worst spellers mm. absolutely thank god for spell check because i'm awful mm-hmm. and all the exams at oxford are it's this what they call a socratic method mm-hmm. i sit there on a chair and you and all the other all the all of our peers and the professors ask you questions i see yeah. and it's not whether you're right or wrong it's how well do you advocate i see i see <laughs> So, so that aspect of it, you know, can you be compelling? Well, okay, that was pretty easy, uh-huh. um, and and that was that made that experience very interesting. The other part about that reading for the law is is my wife did it ahead of me, mm-hmm. um, rather than go to to B school. I see. Um, is that the discipline of of listening, and it, it really helps you to tune in. And as a marketer, that's a huge benefit. Yeah. If you can listen to people and, and retain it, so well, now wait a minute, a little bit earlier you were talking about this. Um, that that helps a great deal in business. That's great. So, do you think that uh, you know um, generally what we teach in uh, in schools these days uh, it is sort of uh, cohesive to what people are expected to do in real life? Um, no, no, not at all. It, it th- I think one. It, it, certainly in the West, education between high school and university, um, I think there's a, a, a maturation process. Mm-hmm. You know, we at, at, I don't know about you. How did you feel about your father at 16, 17, 18? Was he the <laughs> dumbest guy in the world? <laughs> Let's not go uh, there. I, I have documented it uh, in detail on, on Medium. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, quite a strict environment for sure. He taught me a lot, but it was very strict. 
I think that's very common for us. And then somewhere in our mid-20s, we start to think, well, wait a minute, maybe the old guy knew what he was talking about, you know, and then by 30, we're like, oh, crap, yeah. um, I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, we wake up a little bit. So um, that that plays into it a great deal. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Now let's go back to your uh, business uh, business experience. And you know, you've managed companies, you've traveled around the world, um, some like humongous companies, like uh, you know, behemoths. Um, so, how do you differentiate that experience from something that is just starting off? Uh, something that, uh, as we were talking about before the interview, an entrepreneurial CEO comes up with an idea, and it's just in in its infancy, versus something that has grown up and and you know it's a, it's a well-known brand now two two differences and again when i said i'm an emerging you know product mm-hmm. guy most of what i've done never existed before uh-huh. and when you're in a big company um you know bt infinite or unisys avnet you know launching mobility at avnet well the average var our customer, you know, sells servers and storage. So why do they care about software? Why do they care about mobility? I don't, you know, I literally, I've met salespeople that make a million dollars a year mm. selling tape backup to the government. Mm. And they've got, you know, three assistants. I don't know about you. I've never made a million dollars a year. So, you know, doing these startup and, and I am an intrapreneur, Mm. Start up within big companies. And and so there's a challenge that you have as a startup, but also you have to gain buy-in and cooperation uh, amongst all the other groups that don't care what you're doing. And they're making the number. So Unisys, I came up with the idea because, you know, RFID tagging, ooh, Mr. Transportation, we could put it, we could stick something on a bag and you could track every bag that goes on every airline, because Unisys is every airline in the world. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? Mm. No. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. You know, look, look how cool this is. Look, you know, look what we could do. You, we've talked to your customers, nothing like it. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, how about how about we do this and you get all the revenue credit? Uh, no how about you get all the revenue credit and there's no cost okay (laughs) this is how you got to do it so so we'll keep a shadow set of books so that you know at the end of the year because we both work for the you know the unisys mothership at the end of the year i can show how much i help you contribute to the mothership so so it's it's marketing I, I often compare it to an iceberg. Ah, the PR, advertising, social, you know, everything the public sees is the 10% fluffy fun stuff above the water. Mm. 90% of it is below the water. You know, what do we make? How do we make it? How do we take care of it? You know, when do we get rid of it and change it out? It, there, you know, marketing is the glue between every business unit in the, in the organization and the bigger the company, the more you need that glue to get something built and cooperation and buy-in. And you know why? You know Huawei. The the argument, the, the discussion was not about return on investment, return on working capital. Uh-huh. Because okay, um, I want to you know build converged infrastructure mm-hmm. with the Cisco BCE. 
you go into the board, they're businessmen. They're not technology. They're not telecom. They don't care. Huawei owns vineyards and travel businesses and shipping. Well, okay. If I give you, you know, if I give you a hundred bucks, what are you going to give me back? I see. It's a very different. So that's more entrepreneurial. Um, but I think in, in larger organizations, you, you have the advantage of more people asking you questions and forcing you to defend your idea than you do in a straight um, venture capital startup. And, and that's the hard part I see for a, a, a typical entrepreneur is they don't have the discipline to look in the mirror and ask the questions of themselves, nor do they have enough people around them to throw bricks at their window. And that's, you know, a, that's a huge, the bootstrapping and Kickstarter organizations I've worked with. I, I remember um, years ago, a group of scientists that came to me and they had a plastic that had a molecular memory. After you know so many months exposure to sunlight, it would become biodegradable. Wow. Okay. This is revolutionary stuff, Great, man. We want to go out and make a million dollars, change the world. Oh, mm. uh, wait a minute, guys. What about this, 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 this? Mm. You know. So th there's a you know the two big questions you always want to ask is, who wants this? Why? Who would sell this? Why? Mm. He and, 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 you know, and then the old adage of, okay, whatever revenue you think you're going to make, cut it in half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you think it's going to cost, double it. Yeah. You yeah. still have a business? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, th there are big companies really force you to, uh, the, into that discipline. Um, and, and, you know, they, they talk about innovation, but, and, and but if you do continuous process methodology, you can you know give a form and function to things. But it you don't have that discipline as often in the the straight startup. That's that uh, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and it aligns well with my experience in the in the startup world as well. As you said, like there are not a lot of people who sort of question uh, the norms, and uh, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs they start to drink their own Kool Aid too much, uh, too early. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. That that's so. What I, I it, the mid two thousands, I worked for humanizing technology. George Whitworth, okay. former governor of Indiana, he had reinvented the internet. <laughs> okay. What he had is the mashup. Uh, he had some search capabilities and a mashup like ProtoPage or NetVibes or PageFlakes mm -hmm. that would do a screen capture and you could you know arrange your own screen. I see. Um, he had been in business seven years. No customers, no revenue. Wow. He was burning $320,000 a month. Wow. Oh my goodness. But he had 98% ownership. I see. He was literally, he had one month in the bank. He was literally raising money from grandma and grandpa every week. Wow. Man, that would give you gray hair. Yeah. yeah. And, and I got there and, I, you know, he had some good stuff, but... You know, wait a minute. If we take this piece off here, I know somebody at Microsoft that can do this. I know somebody at Google that can do. Wait, Time Warner could you? And suddenly he was making two million dollars a month. Wow. Yeah. So 
you know, sometimes you need, I, I think entrepreneurs need to get an advisory board. They need to get a, a group of peers that they, you know, that they trust yeah. to help them look in the mirror and say, you know, let's look at this rationally, man. It, it's, it, it's, um, it, and, and that goes to, you know, what are you a, um, I had an interview last week with a, a, a small entrepreneurial. They weren't, you know, they've been around for five years, no customers, no revenue. They were in, they had some very good technology, a bunch of R and D guys. And this is for the head marketing job and, but no customers. And the first question they asked me was, okay, Bennett, what would be the first thing you do to help drive brand? Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. You're you're a B to B to B to C. Yeah. You, you want to license your um, intellectual property to some chip guy who's yeah. going to make a chip who's going to sell it to somebody who puts it in their box or whatever. Yeah. Uh, what do you care about? Nobody's going to care about your brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of the people, you know, Avnet, I have never heard of Avnet. They're a $32 billion technology distributor, but unless you're in the, is the industry, yeah. Nobody knows who they are. It's a very interesting you bring it up. I have had so many arguments about this. Uh, people spending like hundreds of thousands on logos and you know flashy uh, intro videos to put on their website. It's, it's just funny um, you bring it up. Uh, yeah, it, it's amazing how how missed uh, how misplaced those uh, those priorities are. Yeah, it, it well it goes to. There is so, you know, the, the business to business segment of the market is like 10 times larger than the consumer. It, it's, you know, $17 trillion a year around the world. Yeah, yeah. And most people, you know, there's Boeing. Okay, they build airplanes. There's literally 100,000 companies helping them build it. Yeah. Nobody hears who that 100,000 guys are. Um, so why, you know, but they all have somebody in marketing. They're all... You know, it, it's just, it's kind of silly a bit, but yeah, it is, now, again, that 10% fluffy gets a lot of attention. Yeah, for sure. Um, now let's take a, a different aspect, a different perspective on your experience, because uh, you worked in uh, Dhaka, you worked in Brussels and, and China and, uh, and all of the places. So what are some of the differences in terms of uh, thought process or how they, they do business in different parts of the world? Uh, do you notice anything different or it's all uh, the same? Oh, no, no, no. It, it's very, very different. Um, it, and it's it's quite illuminating. You know, part of one of my favorite examples in the United States, NASA invented a pen that could write upside down in space. Mm. Uh-huh. The Russians used the pencil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so it's um, I was in Bangladesh. We had to lay fiber cable, you know, a backbone. Okay, I've done all kinds of outside plants. I'm a, I'm a certified RCDD engineer, yada, yada, yada. Um, it's going to be $21, $22 foot. We'll get a big cable plow and, you know, we'll, we'll just put it into the ground. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, no, Mr. Bear. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it'll be no problem. No, Mr. Bear. Okay, how are we going to do it? Yeah. We'll go to the village. We'll hire 10,000 people and they'll dig a hole and we'll put the cable in it. Yeah. And, you know, it was faster and cheaper. Mm -hmm. um, each country has um, benefits and strengths that 
um, more often than not, they, they find a way to tap into. And it's a different way to do things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, another great example in South Africa, there's a company called Dimension Data, okay. big data um, integrator and software vendor. And during apartheid, because of the politics, no one would do business with them, understandably. Uh, but so they had nobody else to play with in the sandbox with them. So they developed a whole line of software, a whole bunch of stuff different from everybody else. I see. Um, if you want to look at the mobile payments business, Africa is light years ahead of anything done in North America or even Europe. Yeah. It's just leaps and bounds better. Customer care, far better in India than any other place in, in the face of the earth. Companies like Airtel, they use that as a major differentiator. Mm -hmm. Here in you know in, the, in America, we just talk about. It. Yeah. Um, so it, it's very interesting. But the the biggest culture, and I would say the the danger is, I see more attempts to copy the American way of doing things, mm -hmm. and that's that's wrong um, because it you you it leads to a, a typically entrepreneur who is dictatorial. I see. I don't know if that's a real word, but he's the boss and it's going to be my way or the highway. And I, I that culture is self-defeating too often. Again, because of the inability to look in the mirror, you're not you're less likely to see problems. Let's take a quick break for an important message from the bootstrapping your dreams community get the support and insights you need for your business and life. Join our community, which is fueled by the same people who advise the world's top leaders and champions. Stay ahead of the curve. Join us now by navigating to bootstrapping.group. Um, another interesting example, when I went, got into uh, Huawei, um, the problem was the culture. The, the middle management hated people like you and me, uh, but senior management knew that we were necessary. Mm. Um, and their way of managing was to yell and scream at the troops, who were typically young kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't manage that way. And um, and so I got there day one. We had 5,000 people. Here's Bennett, you know, the grand poobah. He's done this, 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 you know, like you read yeah. my intro. Yeah. And I got up there and said, hi, guess what? I'm wrong half the time. <laughs> no Guaylo, yeah. white foreign devil, had ever come in and, you know, proclaimed, you know, but I had to change the culture. Mm -hmm. And so I look, I'm going to question everything you do, but you have to question me. And together yeah. we're going to go figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So I think. You can take anything that you find negative and turn it into a positive. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot, at least from my observation in places like you know, Indonesia, um, even Japan, um, that's gone through a huge, you know, we MTV'd their kids, um, huge, and, and the, the role of women in the Japanese society, we could go on and on, you know, how that has changed since the 1980s. I see. Um, big changes in culture around the world. Yeah. Um, and I think for the better, because there, I've never seen an idea that there wasn't some clever guy somewhere in the world at least six months behind. Yeah. Um, it, it's, you know, it's very encouraging. 
That's cool. That's cool. And then, um, you know, you, you brought up this point, which is very interesting that um, uh, no matter where you go, I mean, obviously there are cultural differences and I'm sure you learn uh, quite a bit uh, from your varied experiences. But at the end of the day, humans are similar as well. Uh, anywhere you go, as you said, like, you know, their uh, egotistical ways of doing things or not uh, taking the input from others. Um, that is universal as well, wherever you go, isn't it? Hugely. And it, it, it helps me when I make mistakes. So the greatest mistake I ever made um, in Afghanistan, mm -hmm. I decided to have a, a, an all-hands team meeting. Okay. 800 people, milk and cookies. Okay, <laughs> everybody who had a birthday in June. Uh -huh. Not a single hand. <laughs> um, um, Mr. Bayer, um, we've had 30 years of civil war. Nobody knows when they were born. Oh, wow. Oh, gee whiz. Okay. <laughs> I, I, you know, aren't I the dumb American? Um, it, 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 it's very humbling. Um, but in a similar way, there are, as you said, universal truths. I love going in and talking to a group and say, you know, we need to go sell, you know, to a bunch of engineers. Mm -hmm. We can't sell. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Are you married? <laughs> yeah. Uh, have, have you ever asked someone to dance? Yeah, yeah. Well, if they said yes, you sold. If you're married, you sold the biggest deal of your life. Yeah, that's right. So, yes, you can sell. You know, um, mobility in Indonesia, we had um, the, the, the mobile operators there had 10 uh, million mobile apps in their service catalog. Oh, wow. How do you, sell, how do you market that? And they weren't, you know, they weren't making much money. Yeah, so yeah. I got up to a whiteboard and said, okay, mobility is tribes. Let's list all the tribes, men, woman, boy, girl, religion, football club. You know, we got 126 different tribes. Now we did ages across the top. So, okay. What does a little girl 10 to 12 want? Yeah, yeah. Ringtones, specifically bird tweet ringtones. Oh. Okay, let's look at our service catalog. We've got 34 bird tweet ringtones. Yeah, yeah. You know, we can only probably sell six of them. Yeah. Let's focus on those six and how are we going to get them to this audience? You know, it's kind of a lot of times if you, you get it down to one piece of paper to manage your business, it makes it a whole lot simpler for everybody to understand. That's so true. That's so true. I mean, it all comes down to, uh, as you said uh, earlier as well, understanding your audience, understanding the customers and exactly what they want. Yeah. And I, and I would take that one bit further. There are, there are only five things that matter, at least in a B2B situation. Mm -hmm. um, if you're making or you've got a service, how does it, whatever it is, how does it, how does it help me help you drive new customers yeah, yeah yeah how does it help you get more you know share of wallet how does it um help you differentiate how does it help you to uh, remove cost from the business yeah yeah or how does it help customers not to leave you churn yeah that's it that's everything that you want to do you know, in most businesses B2B, it's got to fit one of those five buckets. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And that's that's your marketing, that's your campaign, that's your story. You know, that's, that's you know, you got to, if, if you can answer those, 
you're you're way down the road from most people. Awesome. And so now, um, you know, we are living in this strange time and, uh, you know, businesses have been disrupted and a lot of things are changing. Uh, what is your outlook? Uh, how are things going to change? Like, do you think globalization is going to sort of be rolled back here or what What do you see in, in your um, uh, in, in your point of view? I, I think, yes, it will. We will become a more the, the big, ugly American is going to become a little more sensitive, at least for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, that And that's a good thing. Um, and I think we will become a lot less global mm-hmm. and more local. Yeah. Um, but I think there'll be a great improvement in business innovation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of that. And I think there'll be a lot more... You know, I, I talk with friends in Africa, uh-huh. and Africa is a really interesting place. A lot of people think, "Oh, it's the third world." Uh huh. It's a it's a great market if you can get it to combine. Yeah, yeah. And then if you think about if your success there, so you know, African for Africans, not Facebook and Google in Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how can you do that? And then the Africans diaspora and follow that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. India and the Indian diaspora. That, if you tap into that, that is huge expansion and global opportunities. It has nothing to do with the United States. And I think, I think many areas in the world are waking up to these kinds of opportunities. And that's a really good thing. That's true. That's true. And so, um, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, the the innovations, I, I also believe, uh, you know, the rate of innovation is just going to accelerate. But I think it's going to be a slightly different type of innovations. Um, and uh, I would love to know, like, what are you doing right now? And uh, before the interview, you were sharing a few few interesting projects you are working on. So I'd love to know a little bit more about that. Well, yeah, unfortunately, I'm, I'm consulting and I'm, CTD, Connect the Dots. Yeah, yeah. is 34 fortune you know 100 c-suite people that no one will hire us yeah <laughs> um well you know hey i'm 61 white anglo-saxon male um i've run a hundred billion dollar company yeah you want me working for you you know would i take the job yeah huh. but you know people look at you funny yeah. um so we we and we all hate consultants we're an anti-consultancy <laughs> so we take 10 percent of the first two years revenue I see, I see. So right now, two of the projects we're working on is um, both for the same company in Taiwan is, is the introduction of robotic operating theaters, uh-huh. which has more to do with insurance and acceptance. And how do you, you know, doctors are going to be all pissed off because you're taking jobs away from them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and medical testing kiosks, uh-huh. um, which, you know, the idea came from in China where you would, I, I observed a mother would bring their preschooler to the, the teacher who literally hand them off and march them up to a little ATM box that would look in the eyes and down the throat, take the temperature of the child and okay, you're good, you know, go to class. Well, in mobility to do identification, we use RF-based biometrics. I can read blood markers, I see. which are like 100,000 times more unique than your retina. Wow. So on this theory, if we can figure out whatever COVID is 
and the markers for it, you could stick your hand in and we could test for that and have results in seconds. That's amazing. Well, that could be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So that that that's one of the more interesting. Yeah, it, we've had a bunch of interesting things um, helping um, a large uh, cosmetics company track the uh, in-store customer behavior. I see. I see. And I used Wi-Fi shadowing with that. Uh -huh. Again, you could read the blood markers. I could tell whether you could tell whether or not I'm wearing glasses. Um, we could populate a relational database, and then if I go to the register and buy something, well, ah, this is Bennett. Now we know all this stuff from him from his online identity, and and now we can pair, match everything up. Amazing. Um, that was kind of a, a fun project. Those are amazing uh, projects. So now, uh, with your knowledge, uh, you know, and, and a wide experience uh, in all these innovative uh, technologies. What do you think, like, you know, a lot, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of fear out there. Uh, do you think that humans are capable of sort of mending their ways and using technology to sort of get things on track? Or we, we are continue, we are going to continue down this path of, you know, self-destruction almost? No, I, I've got an optimistic output. We, we, I, we have proven that we can get over this. We, got, we survived the Black Plague. Mm -hmm. um, we survive. If you look at the Spanish influenza, twenty right after World War One, twenty million people died. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a whole lot worse than we're talking about right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's, I'm, I'm rereading. Um, there's a Pulitzer Prize-winning books, Guns, Germs, and Steel. Oh, okay. It, I, it is a fabulous book to read. It's a little kind of puts you to sleep. Uh -huh. But you know, he takes the last ten thousand years of human history and why did you know the Spanish come to South America and you know 167 Spaniards capture Montezuma or, or uh Anahuaca and take the Inca Empire. Mm -hmm. Why didn't they come to Spain and you know and capture Philip? Yeah, yeah. So he, you know, he gets into you know food production and how you know coming out of um, the Golden Crescent. Um, it's it's a very interesting and there's lots of examples of humankind getting you know you know germs are a natural part of things yeah. and we will constantly see this. So yeah, we'll get over it just fine. Is it a is it a bump in the road? Yeah. yeah. Are we shooting ourselves in the Foot, especially in the U.S. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but I think we'll get over it just fine. I, and I think, as you mentioned earlier, I think it leads to a lot of a greater awareness, a lot more innovation, but a lot more what's really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I am grateful that I haven't heard anything of a Kardashian for six months. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. And uh, I, I completely share your point of view. I, I believe in uh, adaptability and human, human uh, have these, these, uh, you know, innate ability to just adapt to any situation and come up with some uh, ideas to fix the problem. So I completely agree with you. And, um, and I hope we see that soon. Uh, now, listen, it has been such an amazing conversation. You have shared so much. Um, so much wealth uh, of your knowledge and summarize it into uh, these 30 minutes. Uh, thank you so much. Now, before I let you go, how can people reach out to you if they want to connect with you? 
Oh, LinkedIn, I've got my phone number, my email. Um, I'm lonely, I have nothing going on. Um, it, yeah, LinkedIn is probably the easiest um, way to, to get in touch. I've, I'm happy to connect with anybody, happy to help. At, at this point in life, um, the ability to give back mm-hmm. and to share and to try and make others a much better marketer than I am, that's probably the best reward I have. Awesome. Great. Thank you. We will put those links in the show notes so that people can reach out to you easily. Oh, thank you very much for the opportunity. Very kind of you. Thank you so much. That's all for now. Until next time. If you want to realize your full potential, I invite you to join our community. We support and help each other out because no one has to do it alone. Join us today by navigating to bootstrapping.group. The community is free to join, no strings attached except for one. You have to take action. So if you are an action taker, we want to talk to you. Join us by navigating to bootstrapping.group. If you want more insightful interviews with industry leaders, then check out these other videos we have picked for you right here. And subscribe now to get our new content.